you know, the mission statement of our church, the one that we've embraced together uh, from PFN and the PFN network uh, is Pekin First Nazarene exists to be a church for everyone, to follow Jesus, to love God and others, to learn and grow, to serve, give, and go. I think that's going to show up on the screen. There it is. Uh, why don't we say that together? Ready? We'll just read the whole thing together. Ready? Pekin First Nazarene exists to be a church for everyone, to follow Jesus, to love God, to learn and grow, and to serve, give, and go. Now, you'll notice some different phrases there. Um, church for everyone's kind of been our phrase uh, for a while here. Uh, you know, what... What we mean by that, uh, I always say everybody comes to church here. <laughs> uh, and uh, I don't mean that everybody in the world comes here. What I mean is that all the ages, uh, all kind of seasons of life, uh, if, you want, if you want babies in church, we got babies. Uh, if you want early childhood, kind of preschool kids, we got them. If you want first to third graders, just go down there. And they have, a, uh, they have their worship service and their Sunday school classes fourth uh, uh, to sixth graders in our preteen group, we have them. Uh, we have college-age students. We have young adults. We have single. We have married, young married. Uh, people have been married uh, 50 years plus and all in between. Uh, we have divorced. We have widowed. We got, we got the whole family, all of the seasons of life. We are church for everyone. We have special needs. That's, uh, that's kind of our, our DNA. And our desire is that everyone would follow Jesus. And what does that look like? That's a, um, to follow Jesus means um, to love God, to love others, to learn and grow together. That's kind of our studying and our learning through worship experiences, sermons, classes together. Uh, and the last phrases say serve, give, and go. To serve is part of the essence of what it means, I believe, to be a Christian, right. uh, to follow Christ, and to be a part of PFN. We think that is something that you should do. So, the Gospel of John is where we've been. We've been studying it together, and the Gospel calls us to follow Jesus, uh, to follow his path. You know, religion and self-centered kind of fixing of yourself in contrast to being connected to Christ uh, says, look, look inside myself and you will find the strength and the life of service that, that you need. Uh, Jesus leads us on a different kind of path. Jesus says, look at him. Follow him, and I will show you the path to serving others, and I'll give you strength to do that selflessly. So following Jesus is not a path to human greatness or some kind of personal gain or favor for us. Following Jesus means that we put down the respect and the riches of the world and we pick up a wet, dirty, stained towel. We pick up the towel and we use it to clean somebody else's muddy feet. The way to follow Jesus is to serve others humbly, to be willing to meet the simple needs of others. Uh, tonight, today, we're going to talk about uh, this picture of what it means to be a servant. Jesus knew that we would need a picture. 
uh, that we would need to understand what it looks like. And so he gives us this visual expression of that, a picture. So um, today, Cheryl and I are going to talk to you about John 13, uh, where he kind of opens, opens up this moment. Now, I love John 13 through 17. It's, it's some of the most exciting scripture because what happens here is that we're in the night before Jesus is going to be crucified the next morning. And so he's gathered in the upper room, and it's, it's kind of like being on the boat when Washington crossed the Delaware. You're on the boat, and you're getting to hear all the conversation. It's like being on the Mayflower and hearing as they came across to a new country. You get to hear. That's what John 13 through 17. Before we get to all the scenes of what happened with the trials and Jesus' crucifixion, we get to listen in on what Jesus had to say uh, to his disciples. So what does a servant look like? Jesus tells us. Jesus shows us. Jesus challenges us. John 13, 1 through 17. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to his father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? You do not realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, no, you will never wash my feet. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, I wash me, not just my feet, but my hands and my uh, all parts of me. Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body's clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet... You should also wash one, one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed. You will be blessed if you do them. So what does, what does a servant look like? Uh, the first thing we notice in John 13, 1, is that Jesus says, servants love, servant love, servants love. That's what goes in, uh, in your first blank right there. They love the Lord, obviously, but they've taken that love and translated it into love for other people. That's what Jesus' attitude is in this upper room in, in the beginning verse there in 13, 1. It's just after the, uh, it's just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave the world, uh, to be crucified, to go back to his father. And having loved them, he's, he's expressing them in the full extent 
extent of his love. And the way that he does that is he serves them. He's going to show them through his words, through his attitude toward them. He says, I'm going to love them to the end. He's not talking about to the time of his death or, or their death. He, the, the phrase there is estelos which means I love them completely, fully, absolutely. So he loved them completely. I mean, how did Jesus exemplify his love to his disciples? Well, it wasn't just through a sermon, uh, like Sermon on the Mount, or the miracles that he did uh, for them. He showed his love to them by serving them. He washed their feet. He went to the cross for them and for us. He loved them as deeply as he could. I mean, it may sound simple to say that servants love, but that's the picture that Jesus gives to us. I mean, when, when you think about a servant, do you think about somebody that's loving? Uh, maybe you think about when you're serving that you're doing it because you have to, because they made you, because it's, it's on the chore list or something that you, that you have to ac accomplish. You know, there was a time, and in some places still is, where people had to serve because they were slaves, because they were made to do that. But there's many of us that serve today that serve on the basis of duty. It's not out of love. It's because somebody said, I'm supposed to do it. So it's mom or a wife or husband or kids or a boss, somebody that says, I'm supposed to do this, so that's what I do. Uh, that kind of duty can get very old very quickly, right? Um, the, you know, the world is changed, not by just servants who are doing what they're told to do, what they do on the basis of duty, but service that is pure, pure joy. Uh, you know, without love, service can sour. It can, instead of being an expression of love, that duty can turn into bitterness. Why? Because the people that we serve aren't perfect, right? Your crowd's not perfect, are they? Uh, they disappoint us. Uh, they maybe don't appreciate us. I mean, service sometimes is hard uh, and can make us struggle because it'll make you bitter. I mean, it might be that you're serving your kids or you're serving uh, at work. And even though uh, you might even be getting paid for what you're doing, but it, it can be that uh, you're not getting recognized, that you're not getting honored, you're not appreciated. And although it's hard, there should be joy in service, joy and love in serving. You know, that service is part of the PFN DNA. If you've been around here for a while, uh, you know that's us. Um, as a matter of fact, we think everybody should serve. You know, we're not one of those churches where we got a handful of people that do everything and the rest of you just kind of sit in the pew and go your way. Nope, we're, we're that 100% crowd, right? And if you're not serving yet, just, just know we're, we're after you. Uh, you know, we have that card in the bulletin every week. And don't you notice every week there's stuff in there that you can do? You know what? We expect you to do something, uh, to be involved. You know why that's true? You know, it's not that service is all about serving the church, but we learn to serve here so that we know how to serve out there. We practice it here so that we get in the, in the attitude and perspective so that we can do it for the world around us. Uh, we take Jesus' example and we put it uh, into practice. So I want to ask you today, um, who is it in your life that you really need to begin to think about serving and serving not just on in the basis of duty, but in love. 
Who do I need? What do I need to do in my life? That is what Jesus called to, a servant's love. Servants are also strong. Uh, that next set of scripture there at 13.3 says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. So we see two things here. We see the fulfillment of God's plan and we see that Jesus is in full control of this situation. Nobody had to force Jesus to give his life for it. He did that willingly. He came forward and said, I will, I will see this all the way through. So we see clarity of his relationship with his father in this verse. Uh, he had come from God. He was returning to God. And that brought him courage and strength to do this plan. Uh, he had a divine mission and a divine destiny. Now, we serve out of strength and clarity when we have a clear view of what our relationship with Christ is. So, today's a great day. I'm asking you, did you come from God and are you going back to God? Can you serve with a strong heart because of clarity of relationship that you have with Christ? And if not, today's an awesome day to fix that. Today's a great day to say, I want you to be not only my personal Savior, not only my Lord and teacher, which we heard about in the scripture, but I want you to give me the strength to serve courageously like you did, to serve humbly like you did. And so check yourself, check your own relationship. And you know, we know each other really well. We worship together a lot. Lots of us go to class together. Some of us work together. Some of us are family. The only thing is we don't know all the way down deep into your heart. God does, though, and you do. And so check your heart today and make sure you have that clarity so you can have strength in serving. Uh, the next verse goes on to talk about really the actions of a slave. So I want you to picture a household, and every day they would walk somewhere. There was no cars. If you were wealthy, you might have had an animal maybe to ride, but most of the time you were walking on dusty, unpaved roads. And so whatever household you walked into would have kind of a setup, kind of like this, really, where there would be a basin of water, a, a jar of water, um, towels. And if there was a slave or a servant in that household, one of the first things they would do, so you've taken a bath in the morning, but then you've walked on dusty roads all day. When you walked into their place, they would wash your feet. That was just a normal thing to do. If they didn't have a slave or a servant, somebody most likely from the family would do that. They would take care and make sure because that was such a respect. That was such a way to say, we're so glad you're in our household. Plus, it was kind of a way to say, don't get my floors dirty, kind of, you know. It's a little bit two ways there. So uh, nobody was like that there. There was, no, there was no slave or servant in the upper room. So let, I know we're talking about John, but let's go over to Luke for a minute, okay? You know the Gospels, it's four interpretations of some of the same situations. So in Luke chapter 22, we see this same setting. It's just the way that Luke describes it. John doesn't tell about this story, but Luke does. In the upper room... The disciples are there, Jesus is about his own business, and the disciples are arguing over who's going to sit in the best seat in heaven. I think I should sit by Jesus. Why would you sit by Jesus? He doesn't even like you. He likes me. He picked me. You know, they're having this whole conversation. Who's going to get the best seat? Um, who's done the most work? Who's, who's helped with the most miracles? Where are they going to sit? Who's going to be the greatest? So you know what didn't enter their mind while they're having this whole conversation? Who gets to wash the feet today? right? It was so menial. It was so what servants did 
They're having this discussion about who's going to get the best seat. It didn't occur to any of them to say, and now I'm going to go wash everybody's feet. It's just perfect. Nobody thought that except Jesus. Jesus saw that there was no servants. Jesus saw that none of the disciples was moving that direction. And so Jesus did it. He went and got a towel, took off his outer cloak, went and got a towel, wrapped it around his waist, which is exactly what a slave would have done, and very quietly began washing their feet. Isn't that interesting? They're having a whole discussion about who's going to get the best seat, who's the strongest in the group. And Jesus, the God of the universe, the God-man, says, I'll show you who's the strongest, the person who serves. I'm so grateful that that's his example for us. Servants love, servants are strong, have clarity. Number three, uh, servants are imperfect. Uh, Servants serve imperfect people. Uh, So that's what begins to happen in uh, verses 6 through 11 there. Um, You know, wouldn't it be easier to serve everybody if they were all perfect? (laughs) That would help. Uh, If they were... uh, so appreciative, and they gave us the proper accolades, or even if they just responded in the right way. Um, But moms, dads, uh, you ever felt like underappreciated as a parent uh, when you're trying to serve your family? Have you ever felt underappreciated at work for the things that you've done uh, like nobody really notices? Maybe you ever felt unappreciated even as a believer in what you're doing, never underappreciated by the Lord. He always notices, but what about all the other people? The truth is servants serve imperfect people. Jesus, when he served them, when he washed their feet, he not only knew who he was, clarity, he knew who they were. He knew about them. Uh, That's two key things there. He knew who they were, and he still washed their feet. Now, think about the feet that were washed. First of all, he just washed the disciples' feet. Uh, That's obvious. Um, You know, the picture in the upper room that she just gave us about the story of the who's the greatest and all that. You you remember uh, Leonardo da Vinci painted this painting of the Lord's Supper, you know, and it's almost like he said, okay, everybody that wants to be in the picture, get on the other side of the table over there. You know, so they're all around the table uh, right there. But that's not, that's not how it was. Uh, It was an exciting time. They were gathered there. They just had the triumphal entry just a few days before. And so we we got all these guys coming together and they're ready to, to have this meal. And they got ideas bouncing around in their heads about uh, visions of thrones and greatness. And they started talking about it and um, they started to argue about who was the greatest. I mean, can you imagine how Jesus felt? I mean, he's headed to the cross. Less than a day, he's going to be crucified. And here are his guys arguing. It's a room full of proud hearts and dirty feet. I mean, you ever been in a situation like that? Uh, The longer it goes, the more stubborn everybody gets and nobody's going to serve. Jesus walks in the room, he hears the argument and he notices what's happening. May, uh, uh, as he does that, he takes off his outer garment and then he pulls, picks up the towel and he begins to wash their feet. He washed those disciples' feet even though they were arguing. Notice John highlights two, two different disciples. Uh, the first one is Judas. He washed Judas' feet. I mean, the Bible tells us that the 
It had already been put into the heart of Judas by Satan to betray him. Jesus knew that that had been put in his heart, and he wasn't fooled. He knew it at that point. Judas is a servant of Satan. I mean, what would you have done? What would you have done? Wouldn't you have gotten a little ice cubes and maybe made his water just a little colder? <laughs> or maybe just a candle that was on the table that we could have given him a little hot foot while we are wa washing his feet. <laughs> But Jesus doesn't do anything like that. He just quietly went around and washed Judas's feet. Jesus allows Judas to sit on his left, an honored position. Jesus later says he's going to put his hand in the bowl uh, with someone. Again, that's a sign of friendship. You wouldn't share the food like that with somebody you didn't even like. It's interesting that although Jesus knew that Judas would betray him, he still appealed to him to the very end. You notice that? He gave him a chance to turn around. I mean, how easily do we give up on people? I mean, that's a question that I see here where Jesus never even gave up on Judas. Judas got his feet washed by our Savior, Jesus. Then Jesus washed Peter's feet. Now, we, we have no idea what some of the other disciples were thinking. Uh, they don't really say anything, but old Peter says exactly what's on his mind, right? That's why some of y'all like him, you know, that uh, he just popped it out. He says, Lord, uh, are you going to wash my feet? And that's the way the verse is actually translated. There's this emphasis on the you and on the my uh, feet. Uh, Jesus says, you don't, you don't realize what is happening here. Um, you know, and he says, I need, to wash, I need to wash you if you're going to be a part of me. Wash my head and my hands as well. Uh, you know, uh, we need to realize that when we get all worked up, Christ wants to uh, settle us and settle our heart so that we can see and hear from him. Jesus is giving us an outward symbolism of the spiritual cleansing that we all need. And you see the contrast in this scripture between Peter's pride and Jesus' humility. Peter's ignorance of the situation and Jesus doing what he could to love these disciples. I mean, what, what, what's the barrier going on here? Don't you feel like he kind of put up a barrier right there? The barrier, I mean... The disciples come in the room, there's a service opportunity, the bowl's there, the water's there, the towel's there, the dirty feet are there, the need was there, and the way to meet that need was there. So what's the barrier? The barrier was not the circumstance. The barrier was a proud heart. You know, we all know that, don't we? Because yeah. I got one and you got one. It's not about money or circumstances. It's not about availability. It's never about those things. It's meeting needs. The barrier is my proud heart. Will I come in humility? You know, it, it's easy to say that when, you know, maybe somebody that you, you like or some situation. But what about with your family? You know, what if God could break that proud heart in your family or at your school? Man, you know, as you go back to school, you want to be an influence, be a servant. Be a servant of the people around you. And in your small groups or in our, in our church, whenever, you know, he breaks that barrier, service, true service uh, happens. So we washed Peter's feet. Uh, I noticed in what she was talking about, 
that nobody, will, everybody was fighting for the throne, but nobody was fighting for the towel. Uh, nobody was working hard to get the towel. Uh, I mean, even Jesus, Jesus could have said, well, fine, Peter, have it your way. But Jesus didn't say that. He's taking time with him, working with him, saying, let me, let me wash, your, wash your feet. Let me, you know, Peter should have been saying, oh, pa, uh, oh uh, Savior, let me, let me wash your feet. But nobody said that. I mean, unless you and I let Christ serve us, we don't have any part of him, Scripture says. He served us when he gave us his life, gave his life on the cross. He, Peter was human. And he recognized uh, this whole situation is so representative of us. Um, Peter said, um, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus says, yes, I am. Uh, Peter said, I'm willing to go and die for you. But he didn't. I mean, the great thing about Jesus is he loved him through all of those parts and struggles of his life. That's the way he loves us. That's the way he loves other people. Jesus here is giving us an example, an example of how we love and serve imperfect people. And as he served them, he shows us a fourth thing about what it means to be a servant. So the fourth thing is servants meet needs. Uh, in that last part of the scripture, he says, you call me teacher and Lord. Remember that part? So teacher I get. Teacher I, that's me. That's my whole life. Um, I used to play school in the basement. Uh, when I went to college, I was going to be a news anchor woman. And within about a semester, I was not going to be a news anchor woman. I was going to be a teacher. And my mom said, yes, I knew this. And so um, I've taught everything from third grade to eighth grade science to every Bible study and Sunday school class we've probably ever had here. Teaching, I get. Uh, I understand that there's a part of you right now that's hearing us and that's all you need because you're an auditory learner. So you're going to leave and you're going to, I got it. I understand what they said. That was very helpful. Some of you are visual learners. And so every once in a while, a screen will come up or something will happen up front or even the notes. And you say, man, that's so helpful. Uh, you see a, um, a clip of a video or something like that. And you leave saying, okay, I get it. I understand it better because I'm a visual learner. Some of you are like me. I'm a kinesthetic learner. And so if I can do something with my hands, if I can participate, if it's experiential, I leave and I understand it much better. I think that's why I've always loved science, because you can blow stuff up and it's really fun, right? And then you can leave and say, oh, you shouldn't put those things together. So it's, it's helpful. Um, some of you are parents, and whether or not you recognize it, you're a teacher. You are instructing your kids on how to do certain chores or certain tasks because your goal for them is that someday they would become an independent individual and not live in your basement, right? Okay? And some of you are grandparents and you're teaching tasks and you're working through things with your grandkids and it's so much more fun than with your kids, right? So we've experienced all of that. Teaching is a normal thing. So he says... Uh, servants meet needs. You call me teacher, but you also call me Lord. Lord's a whole different thing. The definition for Lord is a person who has authority, control, and power over another person. It's a whole different thing, isn't it? Isn't it interesting that I would say most people, if you said, would you like to accept Jesus as Savior? Okay, so you're going to forgive my sins. All I have to do is ask you with, a, with an honest and sincere heart 
You're going to forgive my sins. You're going to be my best friend and be with me every day, helping me make decisions. And I get eternity in heaven with you forever. Yes, please, right? Sign me up for that. That's a great deal. The thing is, some of those same folks don't particularly care for Jesus as Lord. My will comes under your will. When you ask me to be obedient to you, I need to be. Because as much as we like to say you're not the boss of me, if you're a Christian, Jesus is the boss of you. He's the boss of me. Because he's not only my teacher, he's not only my savior, he's my Lord. And so that helps me to know when my will's on top, something's messed up. I got to really look at my own heart and my own mind. So the disciples were experiencing some of that same stuff because he said, you call me teacher and Lord. Some of them struggled with the same thing, trying to figure out how do I allow you to have authority over my life? That means I got to step into second place. Jesus models for us humble Christian service. Uh, There was no fanfare. When he washed the feet of the disciples, There wasn't anybody who stepped outside and said, announcement, please may I have your attention. The Messiah is now going to start some foot washing up here in the upper room. If you'll start the line right here, please. No announcement like that happened. There was no fanfare. There was no thank you notes. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for washing my feet. I really enjoyed that. Love, Philip. It didn't say that, right? (laughs) He didn't get any thank you notes. He didn't get a gift card. He didn't get anything. He just very quietly served them. He very quietly met the need that maybe they didn't even know they had that night. None of them had really looked at their feet. None of them had even really registered, hey, my feet are still dirty. He met their needs because servants meet needs. So he's modeling for this. As I've mentioned before, uh, Jesus recognized his time. It It was the right time for him to have this lesson for these guys. It was the last night he knew that. They didn't necessarily know that. And so he was thinking through, what are the most important lessons I need to lead these guys? What, what is the expectation of what a Christ follower looks like? And so he started thinking about this idea um, that they needed to understand to be a servant. So it's like when you leave for camp, when you guys left for camp. When I used to leave for camp, my parents would make sure you have everything packed, and then they go through the rules. Okay, did you pack your toothbrush, toothpaste? Would you actually please use them while you're at camp? Do you have enough clean underwear? Don't go to the bathroom by yourself. Listen to your counselor. Use your manners. Be kind to people. All the, you know, those last-minute details, we're going to go through all these important things to make sure we're on the same page of what the expectation is. It's exactly what Jesus was doing with his disciples. Guys, you need to understand that if you're going to live a happy, blessed life, You've got to serve people. You've got to meet the needs of the people that come around you, especially if you're going to say that you're my person. So if we're going to call ourselves Christians, our choice is to serve. Our choice is to meet the needs of other people. We've noticed that servants love, servants have strength and clarity, servants are willing to serve imperfect people. 
and servants meet needs, daily needs in people's lives. We do it on purpose. It's a part of, of who we are and what we are about. And I was walking back to the parking lot after it. And I got myself lost downtown St. Louis. And I ended up in an alley and I came upon a rough looking, unclean, unshaved gentleman that was asking me for money for food. So I took him to a restaurant where we prayed over him and bought him food and tried to serve in that direction. Michelle, who um, has to have several back surgeries, and uh, she can't move when she has those back surgeries, and her husband works nights a couple nights a week, so I go over and take her dinner. Either I make it or I go and uh, pick up something if she's not very hungry, and it's not much, but it's something I can do to just help her out when she can't move. JC, how do you receive this today? I'm definitely not worthy of it, but I just do it because I love her. I just want to say, uh, holy, holy is thee. I just, um, you know, had a lot of opportunities in my life to lift him up. And um, I just, uh, one time I was in a situation where we uh, met a person and, and we talked about the Lord and shared the Lord a lot with them. And, and uh, it came down to... She had a need, and she was having trouble with her teeth, and she couldn't uh, she couldn't eat very well. And so, we decided that we would um, help her with that. And um, the other lady in the office just couldn't understand the why we would why we would do that. And and you know, always always remember that God's got to be in on it and to lift Him up, our Savior, our Lord and Savior, because. You know, we, we got to follow his lead and follow our hearts. And a lot of people don't always know if they should or shouldn't. But I say that if you feel led to do it, or even if you're not even sure, do it because it's all about obedience and learning and, and learning who he is teaching us. This whole sermon's about he's teaching us moment by moment all the time. And 
I talk about the Lord all the time with my customers and wherever I go, not 10 minutes if I'm with you, I'm going to be talking about the Lord. And, and that comes from just spending time with the Lord. I talk to the Lord all the time. So naturally, when I go with someone else, I'm going to start talking about the Lord. And I, I just feel like that, you know, you can't, you can't, it's not wrong whether you do or don't, but it's, it's all about being obedient and, and trying to lift him up and give him praise. None of this is about me. It's all about my Lord and Savior because he is living within my heart, and I want to reflect that of him to whoever I come in contact with. How you feel about getting your feet washed today? Well, it's a very humbling experience for a man to get his feet washed, and Jesus was teaching that, I believe, that... that uh, um, the true love of Christ and the older I get the more I get to know him and the more I want to know him Amen Thank you Tony Well um, back in February when we were having that really bitter cold weather I ran out to Walmart to get us some things to get through the rest of the week of the cold weather. And I was standing in a very, very long line because I wouldn't do U-scan. And um, there was a young couple in front of me and they looked like they were expecting. And um, they had their items on the belt. Cashier was bringing them out and they handed her some vouchers. And she asked them, or something else that they didn't have, and they were extremely confused. And so I just mouthed at her, I'll pay for it. And she turned and said, are you sure? And I winked at her and said, yes. I was trying to be as discreet about it as I could, because I didn't want to embarrass them. And um, the young man turned to me and said, you don't have to do that. And I said, but it would be my blessing. Let me do it. As I walked out of Walmart, I thanked the Lord for the great opportunity. And I wonder how many times in the midst of our um, storms, we miss those opportunities to bless somebody else. I think of that young couple and I pray for them when I think about them. I don't know who they are. I don't know if I've seen them since, but I pray for them. That's good. Julie, how do you receive this today? Very humble. Wow, Cheryl, um, that was amazing. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about serving and washing the feet of your friends? Well, they're incredible people, so honestly, that part was easy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, honoring JC and Julie, who have meant so much to me and who I know, um, their names came to mind so quickly because they do that on a regular basis, and there's no fanfare. Um, my guess is neither one got a thank you note for that. So it's really easy for me to do that. Um, when we first, when you first asked me to do this with you, I thought you were going to wash my feet. You're going to want to do that. And I was going to say, I don't think so. I'll wash your feet. <laughs> because it's a lot easier for me uh, to serve you. Um, when there's those times where I need help, 
that's tough for me. That's really the flip side, isn't it, of, yeah, the, yeah. of this whole thing is we, um, I mean, I didn't think I'd get any guys that were willing to do this, honestly. <laughs> um, but I was so thankful for the, that it, it's, really, it's really great when you feel like you have an opportunity to help somebody else. But man, to receive it for yourself is such a, such a hard part of that. I remember somebody um, was trying to help me with something not too long ago, and I was saying, no, you don't have to do that, you know, just like we do. And they just looked me right in the face and said, Pastor, you cannot steal my blessing. And I thought, okay. Um, so Jesus is just giving us this example. So what does it really mean to, to do foot washing for today. You know, foot washing is not like a religious ceremony. It's not like the Lord's Supper uh, that he designed for us. I mean, it can be beautiful. I've seen it in weddings and uh, it can be beautiful like that, but that's really not exactly uh, what is happening here. I mean, do you know why Jesus washed the disciples' feet? I mean, it tells us that he's doing it as an example. But the real reason he washed their feet is because their feet were dirty. Right? Just a basic need that they have. I mean, scrubbing dirty feet is love made practical. I mean, God himself came in human flesh scrubbing dirty feet. I mean, that's, that tells us something, tells me something about service. It says something about me, about the kind of life that he wants us to live. Now, you might think, whew, I can never do that. Well, the truth is, no matter how great or important you think you are, we are not greater or more important than Jesus. And no matter how lowly or unimportant you think you are or that person that you're serving is, no matter how lowly you think that person is, nobody's lower than Judas, right? I mean, what does it mean to wash feet of disciples today? To wash feet means to do something to meet somebody else's need, to do something to meet somebody else's need, to wash feet is an act of service, serving others around us. So your kindness, your service to others, do it and keep doing it. Uh, what, what, are you, what are you thinking, Cheryl? Well, I, the question that keeps coming to my head is, am I transformed by God enough to have an awareness for those around me? So can I even notice that there's a need? Julie kind of touched on that. When she said, how many times have I just been in a hurry and didn't even really look around to see somebody else's situation? And so am I transformed? Am I a different enough person that I can be aware and notice what's going on around me to see there's a need and I could meet that need? I can't meet every need. Sometimes maybe that's why we don't do stuff is because it's a little bit overwhelming. You look around and see how many starving people are in the world. I can't make a difference. Well, you can for one. So can I notice and be aware enough because of the transformation that's happened in my heart and mind? I've been changed already by this. Yeah. Who are you going to serve uh, this week? Uh, Cheryl, wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be amazing if all of us decided to be people of the towel? 
That, that, that that was our choice. I mean, what would happen if everybody at PFN and everybody that was watching online, what if everybody at PFN decided to choose the towel and had a heart for meeting needs? What if the people that met us in the community knew that that was the characteristic of us, that we were, were people that served? Uh, what, what, what do you think? Uh, could we get excited about being servants? Let's stand up together. Go be a servant. Go serve. Go be a servant. Go. Y'all ready for this? I gotta catch the bounce. Can you hear it? Go be a servant. Yeah. All right. Woo.